on this week's edition of the Brotherly Love Eagles podcast. The greatest story ever told. So, Oh, I have one funny last anecdote. Okay. So we kept moving it. around, sorry, to, to get better seats, and we were in these really sweet seats on the 50-yard line, and they happened to be where Michael Irvin was supposed to sit. <laughs> <laughs> So we stole Michael Irvin's seats. So then there was it was the fourth quarter, like the big plays are happening on third and fourth down. It's still a one possession game. I almost got into a fight with the guys behind me because they were really mad at me that I wouldn't sit down. That was a really great story, man. <laughs> God, I got crickets on that one. Sorry, I thought there was more. I thought there was more coming. <laughs> No, but the big play is everybody was standing up. It was like I was the only one standing up. Like, literally most of the stadium was standing up. I strangled him with my arsenal scarf. (laughs) Hello, and welcome to the Week 8 Barclays Premier League edition of the Brotherly Love Eagles podcast. We it's did actually it. week nine, but we'll take it. <laughs> From the heart of the former East Germany, Matt Graham's in the house. And from the mists of San Francisco, Amanda Graham. I'm actually you, right by the wall right now, on the, just on the east side. Yeah, you were instrumental in bringing it down. I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> the uh, the Eagles sputter through another uninspiring 24-18 victory against Sir Blake of Bortles and the Jaguars of Jacksonville. So Matt was in London for the game, invoking the spirits of our ancestors. Matt, what was it like seeing a game in London? It was interesting. So there was definitely a ton of Eagles fans, like always. Like ton. they traveled, they traveled. Yeah, they yeah. traveled in droves, and that was always the rumor that there's going to be a ton of Eagles fans. And so, here I was thinking there was a native Eagles population in London. Well, there is. There's oddly a lot more Brit and Euro NFL fans than you would think. So there actually is a significant number of a bunch of teams. So if you saw any of the other games, you see that all the teams are represented. And there's definitely some Jaguars fans, since they are the team that goes to London the most, that are Brit, for sure. But they all have these random connections, so it was really funny because you saw all the crazy Eagles fans from Philly and other parts of the U.S. inundate London with these like more sophisticated European <laughs> fans of the Eagles. Allegedly more sophisticated, Matt. <laughs> well, I mean, they seem more sophisticated. They Just because they wear scarves. They weren't getting hammered at all the pubs anywhere you went. They seemed more like the Eagles of, of Philadelphia land. Um, but yeah, some of them didn't know the fight song. So there was this, <laughs> uh, there was this funny anecdote from uh, the host for me from uh, the NFL that was gracious enough to give me tickets, my buddy Pez that they were at a museum and it was Eagles fans from Philly starting doing E-A-G-L-E-S chant and these other fans of the Eagles, I put that in quotes, that didn't know what they were doing. (laughs) 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 It probably just scared the poor people. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, so I have a question. I 
think I heard that at Premier League games, you can't drink in the stadium. Is that no, true? You, you can drink right before the game and then during halftime, but you can't drink during the match. Oh, it's like college football. Is that what it is at college football? I thought a lot of college yeah. football you can't drink, yeah, okay. but some you can. I don't know. Now in some sections of college football, college football you can drink but yeah usually you like party at the pubs before and then you, you go to the game and then it's like a mad dash to get beers at halftime and d- down them before the second half so was it that is that true with the nfl games in london is it a league rule or is it a stadium rule no it's a league rule so nfl was like any nfl game you could drink as much as you want uh, okay so the eagles fans had plenty of booze to keep them going <laughs> yeah but it was like even like the tailgate you, you couldn't get into too much trouble because there wasn't too many places to get into too much trouble. Like there's a couple bars around there, like TGI Fridays. <laughs> oh God, seriously? Ye, ye yeah. old TGI Fridays. <laughs> TGI Fridays was outside the O2 arena. When we saw you two, there's a TGI Fridays there. And then the TGI Fridays outside Wembley. <laughs> That's hilarious. Apparently a big deal in London is TGI McScratchies. <laughs> yeah. We export, you couldn't get into crazy trouble, but yeah. The most wasted fans we saw in the entire stadium were these two English Jaguar fans that like could barely keep their eyes open. They were so wasted. <laughs> so how did Eagles fans in London compare to Eagles fans in Philly? Like You mean the ones that weren't from Philly? Yeah. They just seem like Are there twelve of them? Like how many people are talking? <laughs> There's a lot of random Eagles fans. Well, now you're starting to get some of the fair weather ones because they won the Super Bowl. Right. But the biggest followings are probably, it seemed like, are the Jags uh, because we had this one guy who was like our local knowledge guy of like Brit NFL fandom. So Jags and then the Seahawks have a big London following because they were they've been good the last decade. So a lot of people pick them up. So apparently on social media they have the biggest social media following in the UK. Awesome. And then of course all the trendy teams like you know um, a lot of Patriots fans now because they've been good for the last twenty years. So so it's it's like a situation. Like in America, Americans who decide they're going to be Manchester United fans, even though they've never been to Manchester. Right. Or there's just some random connection. Like there's this guy that we met who's a diehard Browns fan because his name is Paul Brown, which was the name of the owner of the Browns. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The forefather of the Browns. <laughs> and he liked that they weren't that good. And we had another guy who became this diehard Detroit Lions fan because he's like, I started following them when they were 0 16. So it's either they want a they want a perennial winner or they want a perennial loser. So it's probably a lot like what their Premier League club is like. Huh. Fascinating. Well, and the other thing is is it's also betting is at a different level since it's been legal, it's been legal for so much longer. Mm-hmm. So you can do these crazy prop bets in real time all the time. So the one guy who was a Lions fan was like addicted to gambling. <laughs> So Matt, uh, two two of my friends asked me to put bets on the Rams Packers over at fifty six and a half, and you probably didn't see it, but it was twenty nine twenty seven. It ended at twenty nine twenty seven. Yeah, and Gurley went down at the yeah, end. Yeah, the last we play, Gurley the went game. down to run out the clock. Yeah, yep, we saw the end of that game. So 
uh, no, a lot of a lot of fans were not very happy with that ending. All right. Well, let's move to greater matters, which are the concern of this podcast. Seats, and we're in these really sweet seats on the fifty yard line, and they happen to be where Michael Irvin was supposed to sit. <laughs> 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 so we stole Michael Irvin's seats. So then there was it was the fourth quarter, like the big plays are happening on third and fourth down. It's still a one possession game. I almost got into a fight with the guys behind me because they were really mad at me that I wouldn't sit down. That was a really great story, Matt. <laughs> God, I got crickets on that one. Sorry, I thought there was more. I thought there was more coming. <laughs> no, but the big plays, everybody was standing up. It wasn't like I was the only one standing up. Like, literally most of the stadium was standing up. I strangled him with my Arsenal scarf. <laughs> no, and it was like these fancy Brit guys, and they're like all they are all aghast huh. that I was standing up on big third and fourth down plays in the fourth quarter. God, that was crickets of <laughs> all crickets. That story was riveting. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> I'm glad I interrupted for that reaction. <laughs> uh, anyhow, <laughs> sorry. So, go ahead, <laughs> so anyway. Pivoting off of that great anecdote from Matt. <laughs> so, I'll, I'll, let's, let's zoom out a little so bit. Let's, let's zoom out a little bit. Because, uh, you're delirious. Yeah, man, I thought that was a good little anecdote. Oh, never mind. <laughs> it's cool. I got it, guys. It's good. Yeah, it's good. I got it. It's, it's a good cry. sorry continue serious thanks all right so the first the first half of the season is behind us do do you do you guys think this game was a turning point i have i have a perspective that's based on the the television broadcast or do you think this game was just more of the same of of the first half performance so when I was having trouble sleeping because the jet lag has been terrible for me in Europe, I was thinking we barely have a shot to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. We have to – you think we have only one – we have two more losses were allowed because – Agreed. We, ha- we have to finish 10 and 6. I don't even think we can finish 9 and 7 because we already have three division losses. We have to finish at least a half a game above Minnesota because we lost to them. We you have mean to, conference losses, three conference yes, losses. Yeah. Three conferences, sorry. Three NFC losses. We lost to Carolina, so they're playing for a wild card as well because New Orleans looks like they're great. We have to play New Orleans and the Rams on the road. One team is undefeated, one team has one loss. So the scenario of us going ten and six is is very is very dicey. Well, Let's let me tee, let me let me tee that up for all of us because I think we should go game by game after this for the rest of the season. This is the stat that NFL Network flashed up, which made me feel a little bit better, but not great. So, if a team in the modern era is four and four, they have a a thirty two percent chance to make the playoffs and an eleven percent chance to win the division. If they're three and five, they only have an eight percent chance of making the playoffs and a 4% chance to win the, the division. So this game, the Eagles coming out 4-4 four and four gives them like a 24-point bump to make the playoffs. 
if you're just looking at probability. So that's good. But the last team to win a Super Bowl that started a season four and four was the 2001 Patriots. So still have a chance to make the playoffs. That's my TF. But let's, uh, let's go game by game, and you guys can tell me on the remaining eight games which games you think will win or lose. So we are home against the Cowboys. Must win. Win. Amanda? Uh, I think we'll win. I have, I, they're so unpredictable this season, though. I feel like you they're going to the, do... You say the like, same thing every week. I know, but I feel like they're going to do something like crazy. Like they're going to lose that game and then like, somehow beat... It's a coin flip every week. That's why we're four and four. <laughs> it's <laughs> a literal point. coin flip. Well, they right. should win that game. Otherwise, they don't deserve to make the playoffs. All right, so we say win that game. Then we're away against the Saints. Hard loss. <laughs> yeah. Hard loss. For sure. Then we are home against the stinking Giants. Probably yeah, I have away. to win that game, yes. Then we're, so six and five. Yep, so then we're home against the Redskins. Must win. Mm-hmm. Away hopefully, against, hopefully Washington has a loss between now and then because they're two games up right now. That's right. Away against the Cowboys. I think it's also a win. Have to win it. Away against the Rams. Guaranteed loss. Pretty much. Not, not a guaranteed loss. <laughs> I mean, I mean, a great quarterback can throw in that secondary. That's what Rodgers proved. So if Wentz is, is back to making less dumb decisions by then. But, yeah, most likely a loss, yes. Then we close out home against the Texans. I think that's a win. Yeah. Yeah. Home against the Redskins to close the season. That, that might be winners in the playoffs, losers out. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we, have, we have to go basically 6-2 and two over that stretch. Well, you said you said when you were originally going through the schedule that the first game was home against the Redskins. So that first one's away against the Redskins, right? Uh, yeah, you're right. You must be right. It must be away against the Redskins. Yeah, that that's gonna be huge. That's a tough one. That might be the season right there. But let me, you know, the the good thing is outside of the Saints and the Rams. The average DVOA ranking for the teams we're playing is 20th. So we have to basically sweep the bottom third of the league to get into the playoffs. You yeah, know? but to Amanda's point, when we were three and four, we had the easiest schedule in the league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should be six and two because we should have won against Tennessee and Carolina. Well, yeah, but some of those wins we could have easily lost. So I think we are who we thought our record is, said we were. So, with that in mind, I came up with a midseason awards and demerits section this week. Who is your, through the first eight games, Philadelphia Eagles MVP? Matt, you Uber. did a lot of work this week. I'm I like, know. I'm so impressed. As Seriously. a mother would say, good job. <laughs> well, there's only one clear winner, Zach Ertz. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, it's got to be Zach Ertz. There's, yeah. no, there's no even clear second. There's yeah. a, I mean, any second is distant second. He's had an unbelievable season. He's, and he's been fantastic. The, and he's one of the best-looking Eagles. So, I mean, win-win win for him. <laughs> and he went to Stanford. I guess the only other – I mean, it's definitely Zach Ertz. If Should Zach Ertz say... on Match.com, 100% Philadelphia 
swipe except right. I don't know the right direction. Is it right? Yeah, it's still right. Yeah, right. Hard right. Well, okay. The other one I was going to say that I was going to throw out there is the first half MVP is Rodney McLeod. Ever since Rodney McLeod's gone down, the secondary's been a mess. Yeah, but that defense wasn't playing that well even when he was still in the lineup. But sure, but nah, I think you're grasping at straws. I'm just trying to be clever. At least they're not like Diddy who keeps saying like he's so impressed with the punter. It's like Diddy, I mean, (laughs) I love you to death, but like enough with the punter. He just wants to show off how much he knows. Maybe Fletcher Cox? Yeah, Fletcher Cox would be the second. He's yeah. been a stud. And, uh, well, I guess short of this game, Alshon's been really good since he's been back. That's true. Yeah. But, right. yeah, Zach Ertz is the clear the clear MVP. So, although I know you're down on him, Matt, because of his fumble ruski issues. Different continent, same old fumble. <laughs> different continent, same old fumble. But yeah, I know how you uh, – you know, we all want Carson to be elite. So far this season, after he's been back, Wentz is... stats say he's great. He's great. He's eighth in passer rating in the league. Do you want to know who's ahead of him? At number one overall, Ryan Fitzmagic. Really? <laughs> yeah. Second is Drew Brees, then Phil Rivers, then Pat Mahomes, then Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, and Jared Goff. Then Wentz. That's why that stat's so stupid. Yeah. Come on, it's been Mahomes all year. Like, Ryan Fitzpatrick has some fun magic games, including against us, unfortunately, but he's not the best quarterback in the league. Well, I think he's just been penalized because he's thrown the most interceptions out of all those guys. Oh, okay. Yeah. But he throws 4,000 touchdowns a game. Yeah, and I mean, it's still Drew Brees, Tom Brady. You know, those, those are still the cream of the crop, even at 100 years old. <laughs> 147. Yeah. All right. One guy at 42 is one of the best quarterbacks of all time. One is sitting at a flat in Berlin. Take your pick. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that sounds pretty glamorous. <laughs> you could be an artist. Yeah. yeah. I was asking. I was asking Matt. I mean, I was asking Matt if he's going to Das Klub because that's what, <laughs> that's what Berlin is known for. Yeah. No, and I've had so many people like, oh, here's here's some club recommendations. I'm like, who do you think I am? Yeah. <laughs> but You're, when in Berlin? Yeah. Get down in your club. They might be entertaining for Halloween for sure. Well, we all know Matt doesn't dance unless he's really drunk. So. <laughs> <laughs> and if there's a great Pearl Jam cover band play. <laughs> so what what is your what is your sightseeing plan? You're there for three days, right? I'm, the, I'm here till Friday. Well, this day's ruined because we made you get up at 6.30 in the morning. No, it's supposed to be 67 today. Ah. Yeah, so I'll probably motivate early, maybe come home, take a nap. I'm meeting up with a friend of a friend for drinks. But, yeah, I'm going to hit, like, the Holocaust Memorial. There's a, apparently a cool Russian memorial. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> and I'm going to go back to check out the Berlin Wall during the day because it was freezing last night. Celebrating the cheerful history of the German people. No, and then I'm checking up all the cool like West Berlin neighborhoods that weren't too crazily bombed out by the war from this local who's saying these are all the real spots to go to that, you know, for German history. JSP Berlin, the Berlin edition. 
Exactly. <laughs> All right, going back to midseason awards and demerits. Who is your least valuable player from the first half of the Seagull season? Amanda. I mean, take your pick. Well, I'm asking. Ooh. You. <laughs> <I'll> just... <sighs> but it's so hard to choose. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and I wouldn't say, I think it's unfair to say like one specific player. You can do a I would, unit. You can do a unit. Yeah. I would say the defensive offensive line. Yeah. I agree with that. Because like, those be the, they're supposed to be the strengths of this team and they're the ones who carried us to the Super Bowl last year. And this year, both have been playing way below, way below average for the most part. And the lack of pass rush is what cost us that 17 nothing lead mm-hmm. and then the offensive line not being able to protect Carson and Foles before that is you know why the the offense has been sputtering yeah I wrote down I wrote down pass protection I like, okay I feel like the the offensive line was solid in the run game today and has at times been solid but inconsistent in the run game yeah but I thought they played really well against Jacksonville yeah well, Jacksonville is the seventh best defense in the league. So even though we still only scored 24 points, I feel like grading on a curve, it was a good day for the offense. Yeah, and they were they were getting pressure on Wentz early, but then as the game progressed, they dominated even when Lane Johnson went down. So let's move for our final segment. Amanda, what did we think of Carson Wentz's postgame outfit? Oh, the like black turtleneck one, that one. Mm-hmm. Double-breasted jacket, black hate, turtleneck. Hated it. Hated oh, it. Strong dislike. Yeah, I was. It was trying way too hard, <laughs> and I saw he posted it on Instagram. Like, gave shout out to his wife, being like, "Yeah, he says his wife is a stylist." Yeah, he's a stylist. Sorry, Mrs. Wentz, bad choice. <laughs> like, it was trying way too hard to be London chic, and I just thought he looked kind of like like a monster with red pants on. It just was not cute. <laughs> I feel like he kind of looked like a submarine captain. <laughs> yeah, it was just, yeah. I mean, I, I get the, I appreciate the effort, but it, it didn't come together way. I didn't get a good look, but it sounds like he needed a pipe. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was definitely pipeable. It's pipe worthy. Yeah, it was, I feel like, I need to pull up a picture again. It was, the red pants with the and the jacket was like way too long with the turtleneck. It just was, it was a, a mess. I thought it was spectacular. <laughs> well, then I'm concerned for you. <laughs> I could see GT secretly liking to wear turtlenecks. Oh yeah, yeah, it's a classy move. I don't, yeah. dis- I don't disagree with turtlenecks. I just disagree with the elements altogether. It was, it was too much. That's a rare perfect. person that can pull off the turtleneck. Yeah, I was going to say, how many people do you know look good in turtlenecks, Amanda? That's true. That's an excellent point. But I don't know. Like, I can see GT pulling it off in like a Steve Jobs-esque way. Oh, no. Yeah. No. Yeah, I think he – you mean look terrible? Yes. I think he <laughs> could do that. Yeah, see, I, th- I think Jobs, Jobs is the perfect case of a bad turtleneck. I'm trying to think of like a good male turtleneck. 
I feel like I've seen Tom Brady in a good male turtleneck. Yeah, Tom does it. Yeah. yeah. I think, he, I think he, she was trying to, the wifey was trying to make him like Tom Brady. And it just didn't come off. Well, come on. I mean, she's trying to compete with like Giselle advice. Can't do it. Yeah, it's a tough one. Like Giselle's like got the best designers of the world at her on her like Rolodex. She can call whoever she wants to get Tom hooked up. Yeah, it just seems like, you know, it's it's wasted effort putting clothes that nice into a locker room. <laughs> but I do I do appreciate the effort. He's like the nerdy he's like the nerdy Tom Brady in a way. Yeah, yeah. Listen, just give him time. He once he gets off his rookie deal, he's gonna have so much money. He could he could upgrade, you know. Yeah, and you're right. He doesn't really have crazy endorsement money either, does he? Yeah. He's got the Lord's money. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The reservoir. If I upgrade his stylus, he would fire his wife. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for reading between the lines. I wasn't sure if you were talking about upgrading his wife or upgrading his stylus or both. They're one and the same. Package deal. We also need to discuss. Uh, besides him looking great with stats, how do we feel after eight weeks of Carson? Oh, see, I mean, I'm, I'm having a, a Well, I guess that's a, a lie because he was hurt in being here, but I'm saying through midway through the season, the how he's feeling. played, yeah. Yeah. See, I feel like Carson has played really well, but the offense as a unit has not been, you know, lethal. So, yeah, that rests on him, but... I don't think you can complain by any stretch by what you've seen coming off of a devastating knee injury. The red zone performance is concerning and the turnovers are concerning, but otherwise he's put up big numbers and can make big plays, but I feel like the red, I like, I like this week's Amanda. It's much more sassy. It's much more. (laughs) This is the Amanda. I got into the huge fight with Donovan McNabb over Uh because I was ready for more ginger forgiveness. No. I'm glad. I'm glad there was a little more realism there. Well, I was I'm gonna so, forgive the ginger. I this was so why. mad at him when he had those first half turnovers between the fumble and that terrible interception throw because it was an awful throw. I was like, like I was at my wits end, and I was still complaining about last week all through the week. Like Pez was probably ready to murder me, but I was like, <laughs> man, those last three plays went. Ugh. Like elite quarterbacks just don't make that play to make those plays. Yeah, well, he like marches down the field. He is elite. He is elite. <laughs> well, eighth best quarterback in the league. No, GT, you you look too much at the stats. Which <laughs> I look too much at objective measurements. No, but here's the thing: he does a great job. He's doing a great job of marching down the field, putting together long drives. The time of possession has been great. And then what does he do? Throw a stupid interception, fumbles the ball. He can't convert in the red zone. It's unacceptable. Like we've given He's only like, thrown two interceptions since he's been back. I mean, we all know he's had his mishaps with the ball, with the fumbles. It's not yeah, his interceptions. Huge play defining him game changing fumbles that fall into big defensive linemen's hands for touchdowns, Minnesota. Four terrible plays that could have won them the game last week that, you know with the third and two with Smallwood wide open. But, but so see, Amanda, I, see, I, I was going to say preach, sister preach, but t- it, in his in his defense for this game, he definitely, this was the most athletic he looked since he's been back because he made a lot of plays with, with his legs this game, which he hadn't been doing 
the rest yeah. of the season. So think, that that encourages me. And you would never have known he had a devastating knee injury the way he was moving around. Yeah, he does look very mobile. I think everything you're talking about comes down to the horrific pass protection the Eagles have had all season. But yeah, but it's still pocket awareness is something that, you know, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, all these guys, they haven't had great offensive lines throughout their career. They don't fumble the ball. You know, like, okay, one of the best fumbles for us was last year in the Super Bowl. But in general, Brady knows when to tuck the ball down, take the sack or whatever. And early in that Jacksonville game, that was a terrible time to fumble. Because worst case, you're walking out with a field goal to make it 3-3. So those are just little things he needs to button up. But, yeah, the offense seems to be, you know, finally finding its legs, you know, Goddard looks like he's more and more involved in the offense each week, which is pretty awesome for a rookie tight end with him and Ertz. That's going to be a dynamic duo. And he was giving it to people that he doesn't usually give it to, like Smallwood made that big touchdown play. So at least he's he's moving the ball around like he did when he was at his elite best. Y'all, y'all are stupid. Y'all are way too hard on once. I have the last word. Y'all are stupid. That was. What did I text you guys? What did I text you guys? I say the only chance we have this season is Wentz being our savior that we know he can be. That's the only shot we have this season. We need like an Aaron Rodgers performance to give us a true run to beat the Saints, beat the Rams. We got to get. We're going to backdoor our way in the playoffs. It's the only way we're making it in. You're saying he has to be the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. So it's like it's it's a small window. No, I'm saying. I'm saying any shot we have is through him. So, yeah, it has to be that small window. Do you d- disagree with that? Uh, I, I think we can get there by another road. I think he can be playing at the level he is now. And if the offensive line and Peterson, like, and Wentz collectively, like, clean up their act in the red zone and the defense gets a little better, then we'll go 6-2 and two in the back half. God, that was such a PC answer. I, it's the writing. I, it's not I, like, oh, we just ignore all of the existing problems with the infrastructure of the team and Carson Wentz just becomes a god. That's not the answer. I agree with Matt. <laughs> I disagree. Oh, okay. Yeah, PC. let's have Wentz just become superhuman and then everything will be fine. I just think at this point in the season, they pissed away, you know, a lot of games. And I think we've seen that. Carson has the ability to to really be a hero and and if he isn't playing well then I I don't have faith that we will get into the playoffs. Even if the offensive line is playing well or all the other factors, you know, improve. I think we can end it on this. You know who else has been terrible this year? Corey Clement. Can't stay healthy. <laughs> yeah, he sucks. Yeah. I saw a Corey Clement jersey. I'm like, GT, is that you? <laughs> You're here? <laughs> so you might not be the number one Corey Clement fan. Matt, I don't get it, I I don't get it though why, like, me, maybe there's something wrong with him. Like, why does Wendell Swalwood play so much over Corey Clement? It doesn't seem. Like- I think he's still injured. I think from everything you read and what, because everybody says, like, he just doesn't look like his same awesome. MVP level of Corey Clements. So. I think you mean Hall of Fame level. <laughs> Too hard on Carson Wentz, but small one gets, I mean, sorry, but Clement gets a pass for GT land. <laughs> no, Clement's out. 
Clement's been ejected. I've just I've imploded the fan club. <laughs> so I just G- disbanded it. GT I, I held a meeting. I held a weekly meeting. I said, guys, there's no more fan club. And all one of you walked out. <laughs> and me and Ruben. <laughs> Ruben? What's the guy? Who's this the podcast? You yeah. Yeah, Ruben Franks. Yeah. GT, do you have a new fan club that you started? No. This is Corey Clement or bust. I'm just now now I've become the president of the Carson Carson anti defamation. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, a lot of Eagles fans are pretty mad with those turnovers. Like the Eagles fans are like, "All right, Carson, enough of this." Mm-hmm. All right. All right, Matt. Well, enjoy your trip. Um. Uh- if you if you find yourself in Das Club, you know, let it go. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> 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 <Or at least. laughs> After your fun-filled day touring the Holocaust Memorial yeah. and the Berlin Wall. Yeah, reflect on the tragedies of the 20th century. And then, yeah, get wasted at Das Club. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like quite a trip. Yeah. <laughs> All right, miss you guys. Miss you. Have fun.